Good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to see you all here this morning. My name is Tim Park. I serve as our lead pastor. If you are visiting for the first time or if it's been a while and you're back in town, a special welcome to you, and we hope that you will enjoy your visit here this morning. We are excited because The Ascent is with us, our youth ministry. Can we hear it for them? And as you already heard, today we have a special Friendsgiving feast. We call it the E-Free Family Friendsgiving Feast. You are all invited to a delicious turkey feast immediately following this service and all the sides. Yes. If you've ever cooked a turkey, you know how hard that is. Well, I'm told that our team has cooked multiple turkeys for us. And so uh, if you see anybody who is serving, just thank them. It's going to be a very special <laughs> afternoon. Also, we're excited because as we enter the Christmas season, we want to let you know that we have a special Sunday, December 24th service at 10 a.m. This year, Christmas Eve lands on a Sunday. And so we're going to have one combined service at 10 a.m. And then we'll have a special 5 p.m. Christmas Eve service. They are not the same services, okay? So don't choose. Don't, don't choose one or the other. Come to both, all right? And you'll be doubly blessed. But we're excited because uh, on Sunday morning, December 24th at 10 a.m., we have a special opportunity for those of you who like to sing. So if you like to sing, Eddie Lee, our worship arts director, he and his team are putting together a Christmas choir who's going to join the worship team on stage. And our hope is to fill the stage with all of your beautiful voices, and you'll be accompanying the worship team for that morning's songs. But not only that, you will prepare and present a special Christmas song. And so if you are interested in participating in that, please send an email to Eddie, E-D-D-I-E-L as in Lee, Eddie L at efreedb.org, and he'll be back in touch with all the necessary details, including the worship dates and times. Well, today we wrap up our series, the series that we've called The Transforming Power of Thankfulness. Next Sunday, we're beginning a brand new series that'll take us to Christmas, through Christmas, and into the new year. And we're calling that series the wonders of Jesus that you may believe. The wonders of Jesus that you may believe. And for several weeks, we're going to dive into the gospel of John. And I'm looking forward to that series. So we invite you back starting next Sunday. Now, before we get to today's message, I want to share with you exciting things that happened in our 9 o'clock service. We baptized a very dear member of our church, Daylene Case. Yes, can, so can we celebrate with her? It, it was really special. She was on stage with her loved ones, and I got to share the stage with her grandson, Reverend Travis Case, who baptized her in front of her entire family. And so it was a special, special occasion. So if you see Daylene out there on the patio during lunch, please congratulate her. And also, here at Efree Church, every time we have the baptism tank up here, we want to let you know that if you would like to be baptized today, you can do so. Now, baptism does not save a person. 
Going into the water and coming out does not make a person a Christian. Baptism is a symbol. It's a powerful symbol of a life that has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus. So if you've given your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you've not yet publicly demonstrated that in front of your church family, today could be the day. But Tim, I don't have a change of clothes. That's okay. We got you covered. Okay, Because there's a baptism shirt in the foyer. We even have shorts for you and a towel. So if you'd like to be baptized today, and you'd like to do so on the spot, we invite you to go back to the foyer at any point during our service, get changed, and come back, and we'll baptize you toward the end of our service. I'll, I'll share a little bit more about baptism later on. But for now, I want to get into the Word of God this morning. And the title of this final message in this series is Trust and Thankfulness. Trust and Thankfulness. And throughout this entire message, we'll see how trust and thankfulness, they go hand in hand. Now, I'm going to begin by reading to you a passage in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You can follow along in your Bibles. You can also follow along here on the screen. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. When I think of the word trust, do you know what comes to my mind? Confidence. When I trust something or someone, I have confidence in that thing or in that person. When you have trust, here's what happens. You don't worry. When you have trust, here's what happens. You sleep peacefully at night. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, have confidence in the Lord. Now notice, it does not say trust in yourself with all your heart. Now let's take a moment and define the word heart because it's important. We need to know what we mean by heart. In the context of today's message, the heart is where our emotions and desires dwell. So your heart is where your emotions and your desires dwell. The Bible talks about the heart nearly a thousand times. So it must be important. And did you know that the Bible, it often refers to the heart in its natural state. In other words, in its fallen state. Here's what the Bible says about the heart in the natural state. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Hmm. In Mark chapter 7, verse 21, here's what Jesus says about the heart. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. One author writes this. My heart likes to think the best of me and the worst of others. Unless the others happen to think well of me. 
then they are wonderful people. But if they don't think well of me, or even if they just disagree with me, well then, something must be wrong with them. So that's the heart. Did you know that our hearts think the best of us, and oftentimes the worst, of others? Our hearts can be so subjective. They can be so fickle. Our hearts, they are ever-changing in their loyalties, in their interests, and in their affections. That is why, my friends, this morning, I want us to know this, that the heart is a good gauge, but an unreliable guide. The heart is a good gauge. It's just not a reliable guide. In other words, the heart is a good indicator of our emotions, right? Because that's where our emotions and our desires dwell. The heart is just not reliable for sound advice. Case in point, have you ever walked into a restaurant famished? You are so hungry. And you look at the menu and you are so hungry, you just order one of everything. And that's why we have the phrase, my eyes were bigger than my stomach. Because emotionally, we thought we could eat it all. But the reality is, we couldn't. The heart makes for such an unreliable guide. In the Old Testament, there was a man who was considered to be a man after God's own heart. His name was David. But here's the thing about David. Whenever David followed God's heart, he found success. Whenever he followed his own heart, he strayed and he sinned. When David followed his own heart, here's what happened. He committed adultery. When David followed his own heart, here's what happened. He took action that resulted in the death of a loyal man. Whenever David followed his own heart, he went further and further away from God. Now, we're going to come back to this account in a few minutes. But for now, I'd like all of us to consider a question. Just answer this question in your own mind. And here's a question. Have you ever been lied to by someone Think about that question. Have you ever been lied to by someone? It's a terrible feeling to be lied to by somebody else. There's very few other feelings like it on earth than to be lied to by someone. But guess what? No one will lie to us more than our own heart. No one will lie to us more than our own heart. In other words, if we want something badly enough, we can convince ourselves. We can talk ourselves into it, and we can justify it. If we want something so badly, even if it goes against God's will for us, we can justify pretty much anything in life. Well, it's okay. It's not that bad. God won't mind. So, my encouragement to you this morning is this. 
The next time someone encourages you to follow your heart, don't. The next time somebody says, hey, follow your heart, you say, I'm going to commit my heart to God and trust in Him. Trust that He knows what is best for your career. Trust that He knows what is best for your dating life. Trust that He knows what is best for your marriage. Trust that He knows what is best for your children. Now notice I did not say trust that He knows what is most lucrative for your career. Notice I didn't say trust that he knows what is most convenient for your dating life. And notice I didn't say trust what he knows, that he knows what is most smooth sailing for your marriage or family. You know, sometimes in the process of looking for a job, looking for a relationship, looking for a family, sometimes in that process, we end up relying on our heart. Again, the heart is where our emotions dwell, our desires dwell. And more often than not, what happens is this. We end up running ahead of God. And we end up thinking, God, your pace is just too slow. Come on, pick it up. Catch up to me. And all the while, here's what God's saying. There's danger up ahead. There's danger up ahead. The most well-known psalm is probably Psalm 23. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. David wrote that psalm. And he goes on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That is trust. That is confidence. The rod was used by the shepherd to ward off dangerous animals that tried to attack the sheep. The staff with that crook, you know, it looks like a candy cane. The staff was used to protect and guide the sheep as they traveled along treacherous terrain. The idea is this. It's the picture of the Lord protecting, guiding and leading us. The picture is not of God saying, hey, I'll see you on the other side. Make it through the dark valley and I'll be there waiting for you. No, he goes with us every step of the way through every dark valley. One of the most inspiring scenes that I come across whenever I have the opportunity to run a marathon is coming across a visually impaired runner running next to his or her guide. It's, a, it's the most incredibly inspiring scene. So almost every marathon I have the opportunity to run, I'll come across a visually impaired runner running right next to his or her guide. And every time we pass them, everybody is like, great job, great job. We're so encouraged and inspired by them. And here's the thing. The visually impaired runner and the guide are always attached by a tether. That tether is about maybe this long. Take a look. Here's an example. 
So this is what we'll see. You'll see the visually impaired runner and the guide right next to the runner attached by a short tether. That tether is not 20 feet long. It's not even 10 feet long. Not even 5 feet long. Think about it. A 5-foot tether could still result in the visually impaired runner stepping into a pothole and suffering severe injury. The tether is designed to be this long, so you must run side by side. Imagine if the visually impaired runner was attached by a 50-foot tether. A 50-foot tether, and the runner is feeling so good, his or her heart is feeling so healthy, that at one point, the visually impaired runner says, hey, guide, my heart is feeling strong. I feel great. I'm just going to go run up ahead. You just stay 50 feet behind me. And the guide says, no, danger, danger up ahead. One author says this, our hearts were never designed to be followed, but to be led. Your heart only tells you what you want, not where you should go. I'm going to say that again. Allow that to sink in. Our hearts were never designed to be followed, but to be led. Your heart only tells you what you want, not where you should go. Now, at this point, some of you might be thinking, Tim, that's all well and good, but it's too late for me. I've made poor decisions in my past. I've blown it. I did things that I'm not proud of, and now I'm paying the price for those things. My family is paying the price for those things. If you're thinking anything along those lines, I hope you know that the Word of God offers you hope. It offers you hope this morning. Earlier, we said that whenever David followed his own heart, he strayed further and further away from God. David, and I'm not exaggerating in any way, David experienced the darkest moments that anybody could ever experience. Think about this. He committed adultery. To cover up that sin, he committed murder. The murder of a good man, Uriah, one of his mighty men. Along the way, David caused the deaths of innocent soldiers. And not only that, David's own son, his son's life was taken from him, the son he had with Bathsheba. Those were the darkest moments of anybody's life. And as I think about all these accounts, these devastating consequences, the question that comes to my mind is this. Why would God 
compile those accounts and put them in the Bible for all to read. God could easily have just kind of hidden those things from us. Why would God choose to reveal those terrible sins and the devastating moments for all to see? Well, here's why. Because God wanted to communicate to you and to me just how fragile the heart is when it is allowed to stray from him. That is why. When David finally came to his senses, here's what he said in Psalm 51. In verses 1 and 2, he said this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And then in verse 10, he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So here is a man who we know as a man after God's own heart. Broken and contrite, he came to God and confessed his sins. Church, we don't have to live in the past. Now, what that doesn't mean is that all the consequences are just obliterated. We live with the consequences of our actions. We don't have to dwell in the guilt of those actions. Because if we come to God with a broken and a contrite spirit, God removes that sin as far as the east is from the west. And if God can create a pure heart in David... There's nothing he can't do in your life. I want to bring you hope now. We've been talking about the heart, right? I've been saying how bad the heart is, right? How terrible it is. And again, in its fallen state, it is bad. It is unreliable. It's so fickle. But listen now to David's words about the heart. In Psalm 37, verse 4, he says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. When we delight in the things of the Lord, here's what happens. Our desires, they begin to align with God's heart. And it's his pleasure to give us the desires of our hearts. And the way that we align our hearts with God's is very practical. And I want to make this message as practical as possible. The way we align our hearts with God is by doing this. Seek the counsel of his word. It begins with seeking the counsel of of his word. That means this week we get into the word of God. We let it get into us. We read it. We listen to it. How we align with God, it begins with seeking the counsel of his word because the word of God is our guide. Our heart is not. Our heart is not our guide. It's a gauge, right? It's not a guide. 
The Word of God is our guide. It's our compass. Think about what a compass does. It does a couple things for us. One, the compass, it, it, it gives us a reference, right? North is always north, okay? And so help me out. Somebody help me out. Point north right now. Go. Point north. Good. Good. Most of you got it. The, the other's like, huh? Yeah. yeah. North. Once again, where's north, everybody? Yeah, it's that way, right? Good. Somewhere over there. Right? Somewhere over there. Okay? Because south, if you took the 57 south, you'd eventually end up somewhere like, you know, near like Newport Beach. So north is that way. North is not relative. Some people think north is always the way they're driving. It is not. North is always north. It is constant. It is not relative. So the word of God is not relative. It is the standard. So the compass of God's word, it serves as our standard. And then what it does is it points you in the proper direction. So if you're lost in the woods and you pull out your phone and you open up your compass app, It'll tell you where north is, and if you know that you have to walk south to get out of the woods, you start walking the opposite way. The Word of God is our compass. Now, I want to make a distinction. The Word of God is not necessarily our turn-by-turn GPS system. Some people think, well, I'm just going to open the Word of God, and it's going to tell me the name of the person I'm supposed to date, the person I'm supposed to marry. I'm going to open the Word of God. It's going to tell me the color of hair, the color of the eyes of the person I'm supposed to like. Some people think the Word of God is going to tell me exactly what to do. God's Word is not going to necessarily tell you which college to choose. All right? Oh, and by the way, to my fellow Bruins, wasn't that a great game yesterday? (laughs) Sorry to all the Trojans out there. The Word of God is not going to tell us what career to choose. It won't tell us exactly the name of the person we're supposed to date or marry. It won't tell us exactly the college to go to. It won't tell us exactly the career we ought to go into. But in every one of those cases and many more cases, here's what the Word of God does. It points us in the proper direction because it is our standard. When we seek the counsel of God's word, it will tell us how to live our life in a way that will please God. And so seek the counsel of his word. And did you know that that also means this? And again, I want to make this very practical. One specific way of seeking the counsel of God's word is to seek out people who are grounded in God's word and who know how to apply it to their life. Now, I'm going to make a big distinction. That's not the same. It's not the equivalent of finding someone who says, oh, I believe in God. I think this is what you should do. There's a big difference. How we seek God's counsel through his word is by seeking out spiritually mature people who are grounded in God's word. And who won't just simply tell you what you want to hear. Some people, they'll ask somebody for advice until they find the person who agrees with them. 
Oh, you don't agree with me? I'll find somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. We don't want to just be yes men and women. We want to be men and women who are grounded in the Word of God. And sometimes that means hearing things that we don't necessarily like to hear. So seek the counsel of God's Word. That's how we learn to trust in the Lord with all our heart so that we will not lean on our own understanding, our own understanding and in all our ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. And that's my encouragement to us as we enter this week of thanks. Now, to take this one step further and make it even more practical, this week is a week of celebration for some. It's also a challenging and difficult week for others. It can be a painful week for a number of reasons. For some here, you've lost loved ones. And so every time a holiday comes around, it's a painful reminder. Maybe when you see an empty chair, it's a painful reminder. For some here, holidays, it, it presents awkward family moments. You gather together with people maybe you haven't seen in a while, and sometimes there's awkwardness and tension. And so this week, it's very likely that you'll wake up and you'll say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go there. I don't want to see that person. That's okay, because those are your emotions, right? In our hearts, that's where our emotions and desires dwell. But this week, how about we don't rely on the heart to be our guide? Say, yes, I acknowledge it's a painful week. Yes, I acknowledge so-and-so is just irritating me. But then we go to God's Word and allow it to be our guide and say, you know, this week at that family gathering, maybe I might be the only representation of Jesus my relative will ever see. This week, maybe I will be Jesus to someone. That's my encouragement to you. And that's why trust and thankfulness go hand in hand. Would you bow with me? In a moment, we're going to close with our final song. I'm going to briefly mention baptism again. If you'd like to be baptized today, you can go to the foyer and change in one of our restrooms. You can come back up here. We're going to sing our closing song. If you'd like to come and be baptized, we'll wait for you. That's okay. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, again, I just want you to know that baptism is not a means to salvation. It is a symbol of saving faith. And maybe this morning, there are some here this morning who would like to begin that step of faith today. So I want to give you that opportunity. If you would like to trust Jesus with your life, 
If you'd like to follow him today and make him Lord and Savior of your life, I want to give you that opportunity. It's okay. You don't have to be baptized today. You can do that later. Or maybe you might want to be baptized. But there is a question even before that. So if you'd like to receive Jesus into your life as your Savior today, I encourage you, I invite you just simply to say this prayer along with me. God, today I recognize that my life is not whole, it is not complete without Jesus. I confess to you that I've done wrong, and I also realize there's nothing I can do to earn salvation. So today I entrust my life to Jesus. I invite him into my life, and I want him to be my Lord and Savior. So thank you, God, for saving me. If you pray that prayer today, we celebrate with you. If you pray that prayer this morning, when we're done here, I just, would you come up to me? Just come up to me privately and say, I pray that prayer. Share it with somebody else. Father, we thank you for saving us from ourselves, from our own hearts. Help us to follow you and God, we need you to lead us and to lead our hearts. Especially this week, Lord, I pray for our church family that you would encourage them that they would be Jesus to those that they see. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for this day. We give you all praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.